employee listening a part of customer experience design, that's where the second side of ROI kicks in. You get employees feeling a huge sense of ownership because their voice is heard, their suggestions are actually tested out. And just imagine being a frontline employee who has management coming to you to listen to you and then actually try what you told them to do. And in some cases, if it's a win, deploying it at scale across the organization. So I'm a huge believer in people closest to the customer often know a lot of the answers. Welcome to Work Matters, where we explore what leaders can do to make work more productive, valuable, meaningful, and impactful. I am your host, Thomas Bertels. Our topic today is customer experience design, and my guest is Brian Sander. He is the head of customer experience, digital products, analytics, market research, and business intelligence at AAA's national office. Prior to that, Brian held leadership roles at Agero, ACI Worldwide, and Intuit. He is also a board member of the Customer Experience Professionals Association. In our conversation, we explore why cross-functional thinking and agile management processes are key to create a superior customer experience, how the customer and employee experience are interconnected, and why it pays to ride the trains and experience firsthand what the actual customer experience is. As always, if you enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Brian Sander. Welcome to the Work Matters Podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. So you're an expert in customer experience. You've been doing that for a long time. And delivering such a positive customer experience, what nobody really argues with that, is, is not only critical for winning new customers, but also keeping the ones that you have. So what do you see as the main challenges that get in the way of doing that? I just saw a study that said 75% of customers now say the experience I have with your brand is more important to me than the product your brand sold me. So I think a lot about cost of acquisition versus cost of retention. And, you know, there's no question to me, end-to-end experience management is is the best tactic for retention. That's not really answering your question, though. Your question is, like, where do we stumble at it? So, you know, context is different. Every situation requires some, some diagnosis, but I think it could be around um, lack of personalization in whatever product or service is being offered, lack of actual quality in the product, could be pricing that's out of line with the next best alternative, could be communication breakdown. And one more that I was thinking about is really interesting the last several years, especially we're learning a lot about younger consumers and how they make decisions to align with a brand or to stay with a brand. And the brands have to stand for more than just the products they sell. So today's brands also have to be louder about values, project a sense of being trustworthy companies with trustworthy leadership, contributing to important social and environmental causes we're familiar with. That, so that's gotten a lot more visibility in recent years, as it should, and I think particularly resonates with younger consumers. So lots of reasons that companies can struggle with retention. In my in my view, what I see a lot of companies kind of focusing their energy on the technology side of it, right? Whether it's right, we're talking about Chat GPT or, or chatbots or you know CRM systems and right, marketing automation and so forth, that tends to give less 
of a voice to issues related to process and, and to the people that I mentioned. Right? Any any thoughts in your practice as to like you know if you're a, if you're a CX leader, um, what to watch out for when it comes to the people and process lens? I think uh, I think of an example from AAA. Actually, one of the larger efforts I was involved in in the last few years was about improving our digital channels. And it was incredibly successful. We actually improved customer satisfaction while shifting a very large percent of our volume to digital. And we did it the right way. We didn't do it by hiding our phone number on our website and that kind of thing. So you might expect me to say, oh, the secret of that project was something really technical. Uh, yes, we had to do you know, all the smart things with the right tech stack and the right user interface and demand into the pipeline and all those things. But Honestly, the single biggest lever really was around workflow and processes, and um, in, in particular, an agile workflow, which I know is a, is a well-worn term at this point. So in this case, it wasn't just for the team's workflows that were working on the product, but the executives that were involved. So, you know, think about many executives, me included, we grew up in a waterfall world where a project plan was blessed for a 12-month interval and we could freeze code, lock it down, produce disks, shrink wrap them, ship them out, right? And we stopped that distribution model a long time ago, but we kept doing project planning that way for quite a while. And, and so because we deploy in, in such a different way now, the resulting flexibility means our management practices have to be a lot more nimble or to use the phrase agile so so that project was an example where there was a huge win yep we did all the things you do with tech but really the biggest change in transforming uh, results was in getting the executive team aligned around how to work as an agile leadership team hmm. interesting what about like the frontline employees right so the people who take the call right to actually engage with customers um, any any wisdom or words of um, encouragement for leaders to take their perspective into consideration as well? Oh, sure. I mean, I think this is sometimes when people ask me about the ROI of doing customer experience work, I talk about, you know, the lifting customer retention like we just talked about. But there's this second arena of ROI that to me is actually all around employee engagement. So I think about it this way. Um, one of the best piece of advice I ever got from an old CEO was just build an organization you would want to work in as a frontline employee. And what I've learned over the years is those employees closest to the customers often know or have really strong theories about where the biggest pain points, where the biggest opportunities, and they have suggestions about how to improve them. So over the years, I found that where you make employee listening a part of customer experience design, that's where the second side of ROI kicks in. You get employees feeling a huge sense of ownership because their voice is heard, their suggestions are actually tested out. And just imagine being a frontline employee who has management coming to you to listen to you and then actually try what you told them to do. And in some cases, if it's a win, deploying it at scale across the organization. So I'm a huge believer in people closest to the customer often know a lot of the answers. And there's a second second angle of ROI there where you know there's just huge lift on that. Yeah, I think that's really I think that's really encouraging, right? Because I, I think you're right. You know, every employee is a little bit like an antenna out out to the world, right? And 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 oftentimes we we just don't spend enough time picking up those signals. 
and and instead relying on customer surveys that probably only one in uh, 50 right responds to and so you get like a very skewed view of the world um whereas i think your employees are a much more reliable source of information right since they talk to virtually everybody customers um oftentimes have multiple touch points in an organization right um uh, based on the different responsibilities, right? So sales is responsible maybe for like learning the initial deal, uh, customer success looks at retention, customer service deals with the issues, right, that, that might come up. Um, how do you create like a seamless customer journey across right, the entire life cycle across all these touch points? This is, this is the heart of some of the hardest <clears throat> customer experience work uh, for it, for anyone who's trying to do this, really, I think the companies that have done this well have established some kind of cross-functional customer steering committee or whatever they might call it that's actually accountable for ensuring smooth orchestration across those swim lanes or you know the functional silos of a company. So one example that comes to mind is... Uh, I worked for ACI Worldwide. They're a multi-billion dollar payment software company. And this is software that basically, it's complicated. It runs payments, retail banking, wire fraud, merchant systems for the largest FIs on the planet. And so we picked an area where we knew there was, a, we brought a group like that together and then we picked an area where we knew there was a lot of customer pain. And, and in this case, it was, we realized that there was a point where implementation teams getting a customer ready to switch over or go live on, a, on a, a new account would declare that the customer was ready. And then the service and support teams that would then inherit the customer for ongoing maintenance would feel the customer wasn't ready or would learn later after the go live that the customer wasn't ready. So the old way would be two silos that had different points of view and you know sort of fought it out and continued to have frustration with each other. The new way was, because this was an issue brought into this cross-functional steering committee, um, we, we experimented with designing some processes to smoothly make that transition. And we used a sort of a, a toll gate-like process to smooth out those handoffs. And we actually saw quite a bit of improvement in customer sat after go-lives as a result. So it's kind of one example of how a cross-functional you know, customer experience function or uh, steering committee might work. So that's like at the oversight level, right? Where you say we got to align right, whatever we're doing so that, you know, we all work uh, hand in glove. Have you also seen that play out so like at the operator level where, you know, maybe like a salesperson is co-located with a customer success person, is co-located with maybe a customer service group and they're maybe aligned to a certain customer segment. Have you seen something like that evolve? Uh, or should come up in, in your experience? We address that same example at, at both levels. So we, again, to my earlier comment about getting people closest to the work, you know, we, we did have uh, sort of, if you will, frontline team members on the implementation part of the organization uh, and frontline employees on the ongoing support and maintenance side of the organization that you know, weren't seeing eye to eye and we were able to go to them and just hear about the friction from their perspective. And that actually helped in, helped inform the solution. So if you right, if you step back and, and you know, you're, you're talking to somebody who is looking to right, improve right, their customer uh, experience, their customer journey, 
What might be some some recommendations you, you'd give them? You know, I'm pausing because a lot of the things that come to mind are things that are going to sound like common sense. It's a favorite Ben Franklin quote, though. What is common sense is not always common practice. I think step one has to be getting close to your customers. And that used to mean just read their surveys, right? But the days of asking customers via survey after the fact, they're, they're coming to an end. So, you know, I would advise that um, someone look at these listening platforms, customer experience platforms that today can leverage so much more than simply survey data. So they use what we call ambient listening and then triangulate signals from a variety of sources. Um, also to the point of developing sentiment while a customer is actually in the middle of an experience or a journey with you so that journeys can be optimized at, at the individual level, but also so that the company can, when needed, can intervene to actually make course corrections uh, to an experience that's not going well. So that's just, that's just customer listening. You know, once you start listening in that way, um, knowing where to start, how to identify the biggest pain, how to deploy against something like that. I mean, that's what the whole field of customer experience management is also about, is, is all about. The, um, what's the other thought here about getting close to your customers? Oh, it's, it's, um, it's an old, I think this is from my Six Sigma coach. It's called just ride the trains, right? That's that old phrase, meaning ride the trains yourself, even if you're a senior leader, sit in your service centers, go to your physical locations, try to make an actual transaction on your own website. And I think uh, that usually is eye-opening. Everyone sits in a conference room and has a really good idea of what they think their customers are experiencing, but just just go, go step through it yourself. So I, I guess what you're hearing from me is if someone doesn't know where to start, step one to me is get close to your customers through those different methods we just talked about. I also would imagine that the same logic could be applied to look at sort of the employee experience in that process, right? Because oftentimes, right when, right, when you sit next to a customer service rep, right, I, I'm sure that looks very different than the way people mapped it out in theory. I absolutely agree. In fact, I, I'm seeing more and more that a lot of the methods we use to improve customer experience can be deployed against employee experience. In fact, at uh, AAA today, one of our member experience design teams is actually supporting our people and culture organization and working on an employee experience project for them using very much the exact same toolkit. Interesting. So a couple of years ago, this must be like in the maybe 80s or 90s, um, there was a, an article on the service profit value chain, right, that basically looked at, I think, the linkage between customer loyalty, customer satisfaction, and pulling it all the way through to this topic of, you know, internal service quality, work design, job design, right? Um, what's your perspective on that, right? I mean, that article argued that if you want to have happy customers, you also got to have like happy, engaged, satisfied employees. Otherwise, it's very difficult to deliver that experience. Do you think that's true? Is that true in most cases? Um, what do you think? I, I mean, I, I agree. I think I would, I would focus the wording on engaged employees. So we can't always solve for happy employees, but we can largely solve for engaged employees. But I, I mean, I get the point. I think if we create 
an environment that's difficult for our team members to be engaged, it's quite hard to imagine them staying super motivated to love on customers. I mean, and to what we we're talking about earlier, there's so much ROI in this. You know, there's improvement in the customer experience, which leads to better business results. And there's also improvement in the employee engagement by, by giving them a real sense of agency over the work that they do and how it can be improved to, you know, make their own day-to-day -day more, more fulfilling and make it better for the customers. So, so what gets in the way of building or delivering an exceptional customer experience? What are some of the pitfalls that, that you have seen um, show up over time? Well, I think it comes back to we're all human beings and we all um, navigate change management in different ways. And so, you know, I've seen over the years the customer experience work is just as much. Sure, it's all about customer research and figuring out what segment you're serving and doing mapping and design experience and so on. But it's also to a large degree about change management. So this is why I say we're all human beings, you know, every individual that needs to be engaged in any sort of an improvement effort for customers is is coming from their own mental models, has got their own motivating factors, and it takes a lot of skill as change management practitioners to understand who all these stakeholders are, what their drivers are. And it's almost like you're running a secondary CX project on the project team at the same time that you're running the project on improving the experience for customers. And so, you know, we oftentimes uncover um, incorrect assumptions, incentive mechanisms that are at conflict with one another. Um, you know, so that there can be a variety of reasons, but I find that it almost always comes back to the fact that we're, we're human beings and it has much less to do with some technical puzzle that needs to be solved or something like that. So these days everybody's talking about chat GPT, right? And and, and there there seems to be right, the idea that like the customer service, customer experience, gee, that would make a great target for this, right? Because we could feed right all the questions that customers ever had and the corresponding answers into right the ginormous uh, I guess like the equivalent of a spreadsheet and train the train the machine and so at the end of the day we won't need people, right? We can actually have AI provide the answer for that. I mean, you must be stuck in the in the thick of that, right? What's your perspective? How will that AI revolution impact you know customer experience, customer service, um, customer engagement? Well, I think it's still very very early, and I think that the likely scenario is um, AI as a co-pilot that is always going to need. Um, tuning and interpretation of its proposed results before you know blindly adopting what it's recommending and so i think it's it's fascinating and of course it's all over social or linkedin especially and and news feeds right now about all the things that it can be used for but i i, I still think it's it's quite early i think it is going to add tremendous value and i think um, a phrase i've heard recently that I really like is that it will actually help us to take the robots out of the people, meaning it will help us to get repetitive transactional tasks 
out of human beings' hands and free us up to do more creative, more relationally nuanced, more sort of higher executive function, you know, you know thought uh, items that that today it's hard to imagine, you know, a a robot taking over. I think that's wise, right? Because I think assuming that the technology will just replace humans, I think. Is, is a bit short-sighted and i think it just misses as, as you said right this this piece that right where empathy matters or where context matters um right? i think ai can be a decision supporter but you really need the human in the loop and i think you're really going to lose a lot if you narrowly focus on like the efficiency topic here but, i mean all the calls in us have anyway moved to the philippines right so we're, we're... oh i don't know yeah, I don't know. I, I I know quite a few that are actually, you know, uh, bringing things back this way. Yeah, I think it depends on the the context and the industry and so on. So if you kind of like put on your look into your crystal ball, right? I mean, it's like five, ten years down the road. Do you think how we approach CX and the kind of experiences we will be building will change dramatically and the reason why i'm asking that is because i i can i i started my my career out in customer service and my perspective is that really over the last 30 some years it hasn't really improved that much right i mean customers still get right you get an email it, it, it's a do not reply email right and it's really hard to right locate the person or whether even the number to call and, and gets like the right first call resolution that, that we've all been chasing for, for so many years. Uh, what do you see going forward? Is, is, that, is it still going to be like a similar challenge for most companies? So companies who get it really well, we're going to, you know, see the rewards. Uh, do, you th do you think it's like the rising tide lifts all boats? What, what do you see? Mm -hmm. uh, just what we were talking about a minute ago, I think augmentation and co-piloting by things like AI and um, self-service, you know, that's, those, those trends are indisputable, and I think there are many, many use cases where it makes a lot of sense. What I think is really important is that I think leading businesses will understand that the customer will always want the choice, and that choice won't be the same for the same customer on different days of the week in different situations, just depending on what they're up to at the moment in time where they, they realize that they have a need for help. So there's this issue of you know, context-sensitive customer choice and then uh i've heard the buzzwords a lot but you know the the smooth seamless omni-channel transitioning so don't don't make me start over you know if i've got to initiate via phone call and i want to finish something on the web later don't make me start over that sort of thing i i think that is the future and um again i think there's always going to be a place for people to take care of people just for the reasons you said earlier there's always that need for you know, common sense and a human touch and, uh, you know, intuition often in many cases that customers expect. So, Do you think we're going to, going forward, we're going to approach how we design jobs, right, that have these customer touch points differently? Because right, currently it's, right, sales, I think, is, is right, one model, right, and has one incentive systems. Customer services, right, oftentimes seen as a cost 
center, right? It has different centers, like the average speed of answer and so forth. Uh, oftentimes it has like an industrial mindset that we chop things into small bits and pieces, right? And so that oftentimes we end up with like, like multiple handoffs and touch points and so forth. Do you think that that's going to change, that we're going to get to a model where it's like you have a you know, single person who assisted maybe with AI technology, it's like has a, has a much broader reach? It's like your personal concierge service, so to speak. Do you think it's going to go that way, or do you think we're still going to have the same divisions that we see today um, from, a, from a job design perspective? Yeah, I think... Um for highly complex products and services where there's a need for super technical, let's say engineering expertise to resolve, I think you're still gonna see a lot of specialization. I think that uh, we already see uh, this sort of cross-functional thinking in the design of a service experience, whether it's all housed within one human being or whether it's a team or a pod that comes together. You know, I'm aware of uh, a number of leading financial services companies that think about uh, the customer experience in terms of what what life event is this customer going through now? Are they moving? Are they buying a house? Uh, are they changing jobs? Are they having a child? And for each of those, they've designed something that's a comprehensive end-to-end -end experience that touches many silos, but it takes the customer seamlessly through everything you would need to navigate any one of those three or four life changes I just mentioned. So I think I think really innovative and loyalty leading companies are already thinking that way and designing service around end-to-end -end experience from the customer's point of view. Who do you see as, like, as the, the leaders in this space? I mean, who's doing a really outstanding job and, and like, who, who do you learn from right, in, in, in your own practice? Well, we uh, are really proud that uh, AAA is actually among one of the highest net promoter scores in the industries where we compare ourselves. So uh, we know that we're doing a lot of things right. And we also know that we can always look outside for inspiration as to other ways to improve. And, um, it, you know, I would probably just refer people to Forrester or Gartner. I think Forrester does an annual customer experience index that's a really nice body of work, industry by industry, so you can see everything from airlines to, you know, automakers and in between and see who's stacked ranked in the top 10 or 20 positions on, on customer loyalty. That's probably the best source for that. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the show, Brian. Really enjoyed having you and talk about customer experience. Thank you for sharing your expertise. Thank you, Thomas. I appreciate it. Great to be here. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed this discussion. If you did, be sure to subscribe, like, share, or comment. Until next time, let's make work matter.